Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, December 15th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all kind of day. No guests, no themes, just whatever is on your mind today. We're going to open the phone lines right now, 855 950 3835. Start dialing. We'll get to your calls as soon as they come in. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes, pick up the phone and join us. We can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is jump in and join us. Phone lines are open, 855-950-3835. So yesterday I posted on uh, Trucking Tribe and Twitter about uh, an owner-operator video I saw on TikTok. Not a big deal, but we're going to see a lot of this. It's exactly what I've been talking about for the last several years is that we've had such a long, positive run-up in the economy and in trucking, in rates and the amount of freight we've had. It's really been, it's about 09, 2010, as we started to come out of the last big recession, 07, 08. Most years have been pretty good. Uh, most years have been really good. The last several years have been record-setting good. And in a lot of cases, it still is. I, I'm still getting reports. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, monthly P&Ls and monthly business reports that are still significantly above average. The rates overall on the spot, spot market are, they're down to about our average during that run-up. So if we look back from, say, 2010 to 2020, when things got screwy, that 10 years, we're running about the average of what we had during that time, which to me means that this should not be a difficult time to survive. The problem is the people that have gotten into the business in the last five years you know, if you got in 10 years ago, you've probably figured out how to make it. Um, some of those people will still disappear. They're going to be right on the edge anyway. But the people that have gotten in the last five years, the last three years, the last two years, they're lost just because the rates and the volumes have gone down a little bit. Like I said, it's still the average of what we had the last decade, and the last decade's been really strong. So this was a video about an owner-operator and basically said, I'm throwing in the towel. I've been doing this for two years. I've had enough. I can't make any money. You know, I'm going to sell my truck. Here it is. It's a great truck. And I thought to myself, what makes it a great truck? Well, he told us it's got new steer tires and a new fuel pump and some other new part, like that has any impact on anything. Just the fact that he says it's a great truck for those reasons gives me an awful lot of insight into how he thinks. 
It was an 01 W900. Nothing wrong with buying an older truck. I like older trucks. But I also am positive because he bought it in the last two years that he overpaid for it by far. You know, the advantage to buying an older truck is that they should be cheap. But for a while there, they weren't. The last couple years, the prices on those trucks were outrageous. I was talking about it. I said that price alone will create failure. And this is just a great example of it. He obviously had no clue why he failed. None whatsoever. No numbers. We're going to see a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of cheap equipment again. So if you're in the business and you've been successful, there are going to be a lot of opportunities out there. I think we're going to see uh, cheap equipment. Fuel prices are coming down. In fact, diesel's dropping really fast. Although, you know, we, we dropped from the low to mid fives. We're into the mid to upper fours, which... I know for some people it helps them. Um, it shouldn't. If dropping fuel prices are helping you, then you're doing something wrong. Because the only way that could happen, realistically, is if you're getting less than six miles to the gallon or your rates are just so awful that you're not getting much of a fuel surcharge anyway. Fuel surcharge is built into the rate whether it's specified or not. When fuel prices go up, rates go up with it. But there are situations and there is freight out there where you don't necessarily get what you should be getting for fuel surcharge, but that's on you. That's part of running the business. That's part of building relationships and understanding rates and lanes and knowing what you should be charging or what you should be receiving. We're just going to we're going to be seeing a lot of that. I'm sure we're seeing a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions going on in the industry. Um, we're seeing a lot of trucking companies kind of close the doors. We're seeing layoffs in other parts of the economy. That's never a good sign for trucking. In order for us to have stuff to move, people have to be working. The less people that are working the fewer things we have to move. So we've been talking about this for several years now. I hope people are prepared for this downturn. I hope that this downturn is short. It's really difficult to predict much of anything in today's world because it seems like we're going through a kind of a major revolution in the economy, around the world, in transportation, in our supply chain. So it's really difficult to see where we're headed this time. I don't think all the old patterns apply the way they used to. All right, uh, phone lines are open. I've got uh, several things I could talk about, but uh, today really is about you. We had some calls coming in there. I'm not sure what happened. I look back on the board and they're gone. So if you want to jump in now is your chance, 855 950 3835. One of the other things in the news I haven't really talked about yet, I'm kind of waiting for 
more of the details to come in. I think we'll be talking about this story for a very, very long time. That is the FTX cryptocurrency scandal. There are still so few people that understand cryptocurrency. I, I, I certainly can't claim to understand it myself, really. I, I don't I don't really understand the whole concept. Uh, I haven't decided whether ultimately it's going to be a good thing for us or not, whether we start using some sort of cryptocurrency. There, there's really two big issues around this topic. There's the issue of, will we use cryptocurrency in our everyday life? And that's kind of sort of happening, although it seems to be happening less. Um, there was a time there where it was becoming really popular just about every week. Some new company was saying that they were accepting cryptocurrency or you could get bonuses in cryptocurrency. That seems to be slowing down. With the FTX collapse, that will absolutely slow down. More people are now a little more leery of cryptocurrency, which is good. Um, I, I wish more people were. There was a lot of excitement. Everybody thought they were going to get rich on cryptocurrency. So one issue is, will we use it in our everyday life to transact business? Will we buy and sell things using cryptocurrency? I don't know. Looks like that is getting off to kind of a rocky start. The other issue, and I think this is a bigger issue, is, is cryptocurrency a good investment? Now, there I have absolute opinions about whether or not we'll use it as a currency. I don't know. I think we will. Will it be regulated? This is actually one of the few industries that's almost begging to be regulated. Uh, something will happen. There will be some sort of regulation of cryptocurrency as, as a currency and as an investment. One of the reasons this got so crazy was because it wasn't regulated. As much as I hate to say that as a libertarian, but that's really what made this much of a mess already is unfortunately we have dishonest people in business. And it's not always total dishonesty. Sometimes it's just big egos and people think they can pull things off and they can't. That's um, probably a big part of what happened here. I don't know if this was true criminal intent. You know, it, it, it's going to be compared to uh, Bernie Madoff and Enron. Now we have FTX, which may be the, the biggest financial scam in U.S. history. I have a feeling by the time this all gets worked out, it will be. But I think there are some differences. I actually think that both Enron and FTX did not start off as true intentional fraud. I really think that both of those companies just got way out of whack for a lot of reasons. Now, the Madoff thing, that was fraud. Um, this may turn out to be the same, but there is an awful lot of money that seems to be missing and there are an awful lot of people who are looking kind of foolish right now. One of them I'm, I'm really kind of surprised about 
Um, you know, I started talking about Shark Tank way back in its first season, thought it was a brilliant concept. Still watch it occasionally. Um, I, I've said many times I learned a lot of business lessons watching that show. A lot of things I didn't completely understand about business and valuation. And so I think it was a, a great show. Kevin O'Leary, um, Mr. Wonderful on the show. He was paid $15 million to promote FTX. And he took the money and he promoted them. And that brought a lot more people in. You know, we really are living in this era of influencers. That's uh, That term has become common in the last five years or so, certainly. It's been going on longer than that, but it's becoming very common now. And you just have to be very, very careful of who you allow to influence you. I I think the whole influencer model can work. Obviously, it's a part of what we do here, no doubt. But it's also got some pretty big flaws. And this kind of points it out. Now, you know, when it comes to influencers, people are following people on social media platforms for lots of different reasons. Maybe because they're funny. Maybe because they, um, I don't know, they post really interesting stuff about the news or whatever. There's lots of reasons people become influencers and lots of reasons people follow them. But don't think that just because somebody has built a following that they're knowledgeable about everything they're talking about. Now, in this case, you would think that Kevin O'Leary would be somebody you could take financial and investment advice from, except not so much this time. This was a huge mistake. This was big, really big. Lots of people lost lots of money. And I'm just, uh, I'm actually a little shocked that so many really intelligent people and people who should have known better didn't see this coming. And it wasn't a complete surprise. There were people that saw this coming. And there were people that talked about it and wrote about it and posted about it. And for the most part, they were ignored. Billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars just gone. Unbelievable. All right, so uh, we've got some calls. If you want to jump in, now would be the time, 855-950-3835. Once the calls start coming in, they usually get heavy. We're going to get to them now. Jump in and join us. I am limited on time today. A lot of times the calls start coming in and then they get really busy um, today we do have rolling toe coming up. So we've got about an hour and 45 minutes for questions. Line them up, 855-950-3835. Anything goes, it is a free-for-all kind of day. We're going to start off in Texas today. Gary, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What's I sent you an oil sample. All right, let's... Uh, I sent you... Uh, Let's take a look. And, and my question on it, 
example number four was when I panicked and I got that oil out of there. That was 75,000 miles on that oil. So at 15,000 miles after, with my new oil is number five, which I know I realized was too early to sample. So number six here, what we're looking at is uh, 25,000 miles. And I think everything looks good, but I guess my question is between number four and number six, looking at the new sample, what do you think might have happened with number four? So when I look back at number four, the mileage is a little confusing. I don't know if something got confused there. Um, yeah, maybe the way I filled it out, I don't know. Okay, so we were confused. we were right around eight hundred thousand or so. If I just do a little math there, did anything uh, right in the did anything occur during that time? Did we tear into the engine for any reason? Did we? Did the engine get hot? No. Nothing unusual? No. Not, not that I can remember. So this is kind of a mystery. You just had this one random oil sample where um, where metals went up. They went up significantly. They started going up a little bit the sample before. You know, the only the only thing I can see is just that you went a lot longer on your oil that time. Um, right. That alone shouldn't do. Well, it. that was seventy. That was seventy five thousand, and and I've tested every twenty five thousand. Let me ask you something else. Looking back over the history of these oil samples, um, if we go back, there was a time when your viscosity was really low, 12.9, 13.2. Now we're up at 14.2. Were you using a synthetic or a 30-weight oil back then? No. 15W40 shell rotality. How bizarre. The whole history on this is a little odd because I would my guess was you were using a lighter weight or a synthetic and it just wasn't protecting as well. But that's not the case. There's nothing about the oil itself that indicates why we would have had increased wear metals. There's no real fuel dilution. There's no soot. Um, the base dropped on that one sample, but that really shouldn't have made that much of a difference. The good news is, and we should at least come up with some good news here, whatever the problem was seems to have resolved itself. Um, I don't know. I'm stumped on this one. How much oil is this yeah. engine using? Okay. I used at 25,000 this last round. Uh, I put in one gallon, and that was, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. Yeah. I, I, with this oil sample, I... Yeah, go ahead. I'm a little confused. Uh, it just seems like some weird anomaly. There's nothing in the sample that would indicate why it happened, and now it's gone. So it's hard to solve the problem now because it doesn't exist anymore. I, the best I can say, and this is just what we should always be doing anyway, is just sample on time and let's keep an eye on it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm not going to say 
But anyway, uh, fuel dilution at 3.8 is, uh, I know that's in the green, but what do you think that may be? Anything at all? So, you know, if we go back to sample number four, it was 3.5. The, the interesting thing is, though, when we've had that high fuel dilution, we haven't really seen any big drop in viscosity. In fact, this last time at 3.8, your viscosity is as high as it's ever been. 14.2, which for a 1540 oil is just about perfect. So that usually tells us that it's not really significant fuel dilution. And we don't even start thinking about it till after four. I know you're at 3.8, but we look at viscosity and your viscosity is right where it should be. I'm, uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm just, like I said, I'm just stumped on this one. Okay. Well, I'll keep sampling and see what happens. Yeah, that, that's about all we can do. The, the good news is it was very short term. There wasn't enough metal where there to even be concerned about. We just, it'd be nice if we knew why it jumped up all of a sudden. Um, the silicon number didn't change. There's just no indication that you should have been having that kind of um, metalware. Yeah. Okay. And I've got one question on the um, cardio miracle. Sure. Are you there? Yeah. Um, does it matter? Uh, when I first started taking it, I read them instructions on it and it said something about take it 30 minutes before a meal if you're going to take it before a meal or something but does it matter when you take that at all can i can i even take it with a meal if i wanted to or should you know should I, don't, I, I i don't, don't get too crazy about these timing issues around supplements i mean there are some specific problems that occur where we say, look, we really, really want you to take this supplement in the morning, this one in the evening. You know, the Cardio Miracle, especially if you're taking it twice a day, which for a lot of people, that is the, the best amount to take. And, I, I, I don't and that's another worried. thing. I only take it one. Yeah. Um, I only take it once a day. Should I, should I be taking it twice a day? I, here's the thing. Really... If you took it and you got good results, if there were some improvements, whether it's your energy level, the way you feel, blood pressure, if that's what you're taking it for, then I always say, look, if one scoop worked and two is the recommended, let's try it. If we get new benefits, well, then two a day might be the right amount. If we switch to two and we really yeah. don't notice any difference, well, then go back to one. But I, I wouldn't worry too much about the timing. You know, I, I drink mine at lots of different times during the day. Sometimes I am drinking it when I'm having a meal. Sometimes it's completely away from a meal. Sometimes it's first thing in the morning. Sometimes later in the day. I, I just, on this one, I wouldn't get too worried about the timing. Okay. All right, Kevin. Well, I guess that's all I got, and I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Yeah, let's just keep an eye on that oil sample. Um, we're going to grab another call. Phone lines are open. Jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. We're going to head off to Arizona. Hey, Sam, um, 
Angie already gave me a heads up, but uh, just remind me before I hang up on you to put you back in the queue. Okay, thank you. Um, anyway, um, I have a question. I bought a, I recently bought a lo- rather large fifth wheel trailer uh, for um, camping and such, and uh, it's rather heavy. It's fifteen to eighteen thousand pounds. Um, I'm going to order a new tow vehicle for it. I was wondering if um, the gearing we talk about with big trucks applies to um, pickups or if you even have an opinion on that because I'm going to go with a gas engine. I just thought I want to deal with the the diesel problems on the pickups. Um, so the uh, like on a Ford, you can go as low as 44, 30 gears or as tall as 355s. And I was wondering if you had an opinion on that. Yeah, I, I do. Um, the problem with my opinion is I don't have enough experience to really get specific about it. So basically what yeah. you're looking at here when we're looking at a vehicle like this is you've got to find the balance between horsepower, torque, and gearing. So we can use gearing to make up for a lack of horsepower and torque. And that's typically when you see those 430 gears, those really, really low gear ratios, that's what they're doing. There, I had, uh, my first RV had a, was it a 6.7 Cummins? It was one of the smaller Cummins. And it was a big, it was a 40-foot um, RV uh, motorhome. That's a pretty big RV for that size engine, and they made up for it with, uh, if I remember right, it might have been 470 gears. They were either like 456s or 470s. And the point is that you're making up for a lack of horsepower and torque. Um, you pay for right. it in, you know, when you're at cruise speed, you're going to be at a much higher RPM. So the cruise isn't nearly as comfortable. It's louder. So you, you just got to find the balance. I understand the big picture and the concepts. What I don't have enough experience on is saying, well, if you have this engine and this amount of horsepower and torque, then you should go with this gear ratio. So I, I can give you the big picture and, and kind of what we're trying to balance, but I, I just don't have enough experience with any of these to give you specifics. Gotcha. Um, and it's really getting interesting now because now all the, the Ford offers, a, it's a 10-speed automatic now with, I think, three overdrive gears. And I, I think if with a gas engine, I think I'd probably go with the 430s just to make up for, like you said, the horsepower and torque. Uh, that's the way I would be probably uh, going. But I, I was just curious about your, your opinion on it. Well, actually, you can see what they're doing there. So when, when I said, you know, mine was pretty well gear bound, uh, it needed to be so that you could get up a hill with that thing. And then when I wanted to be at cruise speed, it was, it was high RPM and it was kind of annoying. And look what they've done. So we're, we're going to use that final gear ratio to give us you know, better torque. Remember, gears are torque multipliers down in the low gears and more torque when we need to pull a hill. They went to a 10 speed with three overdrives to try to kind of smooth out that really low gear ratio. 
So now when you get up to yeah. cruise speed, it can drop. Uh, my guess is, is if it's three overdrive gears, we probably have something in the 0.8 range, something in the 0.7 range, and possibly even a, an overdrive gear that goes all the way down into the 0.6 range, which will lower your RPM at cruise speed. Uh, it will probably struggle. In that gear, pulling that kind of weight, it will probably want to kick in and out of the, that gear a lot. One of the things you you might want to do is just test drive as many of these trucks with different configurations as you can. You know, get them out, see how they feel at, you know, 70 or, or whatever speed you plan on, um, you know, whatever top speed and just see what they feel like, how they drive. Yeah. You know, back in the old days, pre-COVID, when they actually had vehicles on the lot, that you could do those kind of things. I know. <laughs> I, it, it really has changed yeah. a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, with, with cars, there are usually options. One of the things I've done in the past, if I'm interested in a certain model of car, a, a lot of times you might be able to find it as a rental somewhere. Um, and you can go out and at least get an idea of, you know, how much you really like it and drive it around for a couple of days. When you're talking about a more specialized vehicle like this, it's a little tougher to do. Yeah. All righty. Well, I appreciate it. Um, that was that was my question, and uh, I guess uh, I can put me back on hold and wait for. Uh, see, I'm um, glad. I'm glad you reminded me. I w I was just about ready to hit the <laughs> drop button, so your timing was perfect. I knew I would forget. See, I should stop saying that. I should stop saying I'm going to forget, and I should say I'll remember. But you should have a backup plan, which we did, and it worked. Let's go to Tennessee. Richie, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? So, quick question about the uh, hot honey peppers. I made a batch uh, about a month ago, and I used jalapenos and... Uh, habaneros and stuff like that i love hot stuff okay but this was way too hot it was it actually felt like it was burning my stomach <laughs> i never had that issue <laughs> so the the question was i this time i made it with sweet peppers is there a way to make that a little bit hotter without adding hot peppers um uh, look, you know, we can do just about anything we want. You could add a little bit of hot sauce to the honey. It, here's what you'll find, though. Just You just need to find the right blend of peppers and the right heat level. Like maybe try a poblano. Yeah. What, what type of peppers were you using? Uh, habanero and oh. jalapenos. So uh, habanero. I did what you... Uh, Habanero is going to be. I, hot. I use. I like them. <laughs> Screaming hot. Yeah. For I usually some, like it, but this was. Yeah, this was way too hot. Yeah. For some reason, it does seem like this process actually magnifies the heat in some ways. So the sweetness is there. It can kind yeah. of balance the heat out sometimes. But I have some really, really hot honey. Uh, the the batches I made with habanero, and I have a scorpion tongue pepper I used. They are screaming hot. You used a little bit of them on things. Um, I just made a batch the other day with just pure green jalapeno. 
it's got a really nice heat level. I would almost call it mild. You, you get a little bit of heat there, but it's pretty mild. I haven't done any with, with just sweet peppers. I don't think I would even like that. So you, you just got to experiment. I, I like it because I put them on my steak. Oh, okay. they're so good on steak. Got it. Okay. Well, you know, here's the thing. If you like it with sweet peppers, absolutely make it. There's no reason not to. But you could also, don't forget, you could blend peppers. So if you were to try, you know, a batch of jalapenos and they're just too hot, well, then a batch of half sweet, half hot might be fine. Okay. Yeah. The, the, yeah I'll try that. Because I love the, uh, the goat cheese. It, we've almost created a, a whole new category of food here. So, and when you look at all the variables, I could use different kinds of honey. I could use different kinds of peppers. I could use different blends of peppers. I could use a different amount of peppers. There's another thing. If you like your honey thicker and not as hot, just put in fewer of those hot peppers. You'll end up with a thicker honey that's not as hot. If you want a thinner honey, and more flavor infused, you put in more of the pepper or whatever we're infusing with. The, the, the key here, though, is, is we have almost nothing to go by. There, I've looked, there's, there's virtually right. zero recipes out there. We're kind of creating our whole new category. And honestly, it's like three new categories because I'm experimenting with getting the hot honey itself, I'm experimenting with taking the peppers whenever I infused into the honey and making a hot sauce out of that. And I'm coming up with some incredible hot sauces like that. And we're also experimenting with taking the peppers out and doing something else with the peppers. Now, are you drinking the liquid? What liquid? Can you? The, the, uh, the uh, yeah, the honey. Absolutely. I do a shot of it every morning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, I was going to try that, but I didn't want to uh, kill myself yet. <laughs> no, I, I, I do a shot every morning. And boy, I've got one that I did with habaneros. And technically, they're a hybrid habanero, and they're about half the heat of a normal habanero. And it is still screaming hot. Wow. I tell you, I love it with the goat cheese. Yeah, you suggested that, and that that is awesome. Isn't that good? I know that that's. Uh, oh my I don't god! Know what it is about that combination, but they go really well together. But I had to throw the last one out because it was just too hot. I couldn't eat the peppers. But I'm going to try it with the sweet next, and then I'll start adding little peppers. I won't use jalapenos anymore. Hey, think about this, though. Don't throw out batches, whether they're too hot or too sweet or because you could also blend your honeys later. So what if you would have kept the really hot one? Now you have this one you made with sweet peppers that has no heat. Blend the two till you get a heat level that you like. Mm, good idea. Yeah, I haven't thrown away any. Become a chemist. I save every batch. I figure I'll use it later to, to blend or mix or, you know, come up with some other idea. Now, here's something else I have discovered. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought this up because I've been meaning to talk about this. So honey itself will last forever. I mean, I've heard thousands of years. It doesn't matter. It's just going to last forever. 
Um, as long as it's sealed and it can't like evaporate and totally crystallize, honey will never go bad. That's what we're told. Once you do this to honey, it can grow mold. I, I've had two cases of it so far, and I was intentionally trying to create mold. I wanted to see if you could. So I created some conditions that I knew if you can grow mold in here, this is what's going to do it. I had it in a warmer room. I actually had one of my fermenters sitting on a heated floor. Um, I allowed the, the bags of the peppers to come up out of the surface at the top. Those are the kind of things that if mold's going to grow, that's, I didn't have it sealed. You know, I left it somewhat open and I did get some mold. Right. So what's happening is in order for the honey to be able to, honey on its own won't ferment. It lasts forever and it doesn't ferment. When we put the peppers in, we're bringing the water level up on the honey enough that now it can ferment. It can grow bacteria now because there's enough water in there to do it. If it can grow good bacteria, there's also a chance it can grow bad bacteria. So once we create these hot honeys, they are not nearly as shelf stable as honey is. They can go bad. They can grow mold. One of the ways around that, and it, it turns out that I'm creating even newer flavors, um, is that the way to stop that is after you've fermented your honey, you've taken the peppers and the other stuff back out, you can add vinegar and get your acidity level if you can get down to between three and four on the pH, and you can buy really cheap pH strips, you just dip it in there, tells you what the pH is, you can add some vinegar. If you get your pH level between three and four, that will make it much more shelf stable. So now, you know, certain sauces, that, and that's the same way you do um, any hot sauce. Hot sauce is peppers and vinegar, and Part of the reason for the vinegar is to make it shelf stable. We can do that same thing with honey. So now there's another ingredient, which is another variable. Now, do I wanna use apple cider vinegar, which has a really unique taste? Do I wanna use white vinegar that doesn't have much taste at all? Do I wanna use a, a red wine vinegar or a rice vinegar? Or uh, now we have this new ingredient and we're making new sauces, but I wanted to let everybody know you can grow mold in these if you're not careful. What if it crystallizes? What do you just do? Stir it back in? Uh, yes. Yeah. You can just shake it up, stir it back okay. in. Um, if it, if you get a lot of crystal, it crystallization is actually a good thing in honey. The all raw honey will will or can crystallize. When you buy the stuff in the you know the little bear container in the grocery store, that stuff never crystallizes because it's pasteurized. They they changed the right. proteins. They killed everything. Um, so when we see honey crystallized, that just tells us it's um, there's a good chance it was just good raw honey. So if you get a lot of crystallization, you can also stick it in some warm water. Just stick the honey container down in some warm water, and that'll usually liquefy it again. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'm afraid to shake it because I don't want to explode like you had. <laughs> yeah, don't. Um, I, although I, I, I have yet to have another bottle start to ferment at all. That we, I don't know what happened with that one bottle, why it was nice. still fermenting. Um, 
most of my ferments aren't that active. They're not building a lot of pressure. I don't know why that one did. Yeah. Usually when I get home on the weekends, I'll just crack the jaws, burp them, and put them, uh, put them back. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just to make sure it doesn't build up. Yeah, or, you know, if you're really into this, you know, get the vented lids, and, and that way you don't have to worry about them at all. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, but my next project will be making the barbecue sauce, so I'll probably try that this weekend when I get home. The the, the hot honey. I mean, the buffalo sauce. In, now, see, uh, there's another good use for one of your really hot honeys. You know, if you would have kept a little bit of that habanero, that way you can get a little bit of heat and a little bit of sweet into your barbecue sauce without radically changing the flavor because you're just using small amounts. So well, having I, some really hot yeah. honey around is not a bad thing. I still have a jar of it. I got rid of the... Uh, Good. The goat cheese and the hot one because I couldn't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> it it uh, can get pretty hot. Like I said, for some reason, it, it actually seems like in some ways it amplifies the heat. And like I said, the, the peppers that I took out of one of my batches, I thought they were way hotter than they should have been after they had fermented. Uh-huh. Uh, I tell you, I, like I said, I thought it was burning the inside of my stomach. I, I never had that before, and I love, love hot stuff. Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. So. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for the conversation, and I uh, hope to talk to you soon. You're welcome. Yeah, keep, keep me updated on your hot honey recipes and results. Like I said, it's almost like a new category of food. So many possibilities, so many options, and so much to learn. Let's, uh, let's go to South Carolina. Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you this morning? Good. What's on your mind today? So my daughter just got out of the hospital uh, with gastro, let me see here, uh, gastritis. gastritis. Yeah. Okay. So they were, they they tested her for a, quite a few different things. She's been suffering for a couple of weeks pretty good now. Uh, finally ended up in the hospital to get a diagnosis because she couldn't get into a doctor. So they put her on uh, protonics. Okay. A, a PPI, problem is, sure, a proton is it, pump inhibitor. Oh yeah, they they give her all that garbage. Yeah, and I I been kind of coaching her along to to get her through this till we could get a diagnosis or or so, get over the hurdle where she's not back and forth to the hospital. So what and was then the get specific her, get her a, a What was the specific drug you I'm just sorry. said? Protonics. Protonics. And what? Forty milligrams they... twice a day. How many milligrams? Forty which is a pretty standard dose. Um, that is, that, and I was pretty sure I wanted to double check on that. That is a proton pump inhibitor. What that does is stops her okay. stomach from producing stomach acid. Totally different than what I thought it was. I thought it was uh, mm, something to help help regulate the, the floor, if you will. No. I didn't think it was to stop. No, it, okay. So, so it, it's it's basically in the name proton pump, 
We have we actually have little pumps all, right, all over you. our stomach, like little jets, and they produce and and inject the hydrochloric acid into our stomach. So the old method uh-huh. used to be chew tums or calcium or something to neutralize the acid that's there. Well, the medical community said, yeah, why neutralize it? We'll just turn off the pumps. Horrible idea. It will destroy your health. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I was telling her. Yep. So I've got her fixing the lineup for a Nutri-Q, uh, and I have some stuff on order from you personally, uh, and I was waiting on the order to see if I needed to get her something on the way he started to help regulate this. I have a bottle of Terraforma, and um, that's that this isn't a at this point it's not a gut bacteria issue that will come later um we know she's going to have you know microbiome issues gut bacteria issues but we've got to solve right. her stomach issue first everything they're giving her now Correct. is destroying her gut bacteria we're going to have to deal with that at yep. some point, but we can't deal with it yet. So it, there's okay. no harm in taking a probiotic. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of help right now. But we, we've got to get back to okay. the, the basics here and the foundations. How old is she? 34. Um, I have to believe that her, with the problem her- she's facing, she's basically eating the standard American diet. Uh, well, she was she was doing pretty well on keto, but I think she fell off of it, um, and then all this started. Yeah. So uh, and actually, the, here here's the other thing: her mother went through almost the exact same thing. What about four months ago, Yvette? Yeah, about four months ago, she got her, her esophagus got so swollen she couldn't swallow. She couldn't breathe. She, she got rushed to the emergency room. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff and really no answers. And my we're guess back on, on the same track with her as well. My guess on that issue, I'm, um, when it's that acute and severe, it's probably some sort of a food reaction. You know, it, 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 lots of people exactly. start suffering from heartburn and, you know, in the beginning of Rolaids or you know, a Tums is just fine. And then the next thing they know, they're eating Rolaids mm-hmm. or Tums every time they eat. Then they end up on a proton pump. And mm-hmm. well, that's a, a long, slow decline. But occasionally we'll see. That's these, exactly where my wife is. Yeah, we'll see these flare ups occasionally. That sometimes can be a, a food reaction. Um, I, I, my guess is that um, uh, your daughter has probably eaten low fat, low protein most of her life. She had, yes. Um, she was working her way away from that now. Like I said, I don't know. I haven't asked so, her if she fell off. I just assumed she did because all of a sudden she started having all these problems when she started going back so, to norm, normal reality life or, or normal real life. No, no. Let's, let, let me correct that. She was normal. Now she's abnormal. E- eating the standard American exactly. diet is abnormal. We ate a wildly right. different diet as human beings for hundreds of thousands of years. This is the abnormal diet. 
Now, here's the other possibility. There's, there's two possibilities here. One, she's being really strict, and that's causing the problem. Because her body is not used to digesting the amounts of protein and fats that are in the normal human diet. And, and we just have to help her. That's why we spend more time on digestion when people switch their diet than almost anything else. Or the other option is she did right. start falling off and now it's the grains and the other things that are irritating this. Either, no. Well, it, um, it, if she's going to eat the standard American diet, she might as well just stick with the doctors. I, I don't have any answers for her. I don't have anything that would help somebody who is going to eat the standard American diet. So at that case, my only advice is look, either, either deal with the symptoms or listen to the doctors because I, I don't know what else to tell somebody. If she's willing to change her diet, right. well, we can absolutely fix her digestion. We do it all the time. Yeah, I, she's she's there. Unfortunately, my wife isn't, uh, but my daughter is. She's she, and, and she was doing very well good, on, on a healthy diet and that's what i think is she fell off or or whatever got a hold of something and that and the esophageal issue is i'm thinking the same thing it's some kind of reaction to what she's eating because my wife it um, she was fine and as soon as she started back eating whatever she wants to she started having problems again yeah and I, i you know it's like to me it's an allergy uh, it, it could be it dairy or wheat or right. or or something along those lines that's causing all this. Right. So. So it sounds like she's on the right track. You you mentioned you were going to get her in for a NutriQ and a discovery call, and and that's the process. And and again, this one is pretty basic and standard. We know all the things that can go wrong with digestion, and and we've got a kit to fix all of them. I mean, this is just you know yep. routine yep. kind of stuff now. Okay. So should I wait until she has the NutriQ to get her anything started or yeah, is there I, I something would. I should have yeah, thrown af- in with my box? Yeah, after the NutriQ okay. and the discovery call, Lauren will have very specific recommendations. I don't want you to go and buy a bunch of supplements that gotcha. aren't, aren't going to be right. Exactly. 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 Okay. Sounds good, sir. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Keep us... Uh, Keep us up to date on how that's going and how we can help you. Let's go to North Carolina. David, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you today? Good. What can I help you with? Well, um, I've got a financial question for you. and uh, I'm in a good situation compared to most, I'm sure. But um, um, I've got... um, uh, a little over $200,000 basically sitting in a bank, not sure what to do with it in this mess that we're in. And I am at retirement age, and so I don't want to go play a lot of games with it. So I'm just trying to figure out a different approach or looking at it or a thought process or something. So um, tell me... First off, you said you're getting close to retirement, or you are retiring? Uh, I, I am at retirement age. I will start slowing down a little bit. I'm, I'm not quitting by no stretch of the imagination, but... Got it. Okay. I will start um, slowing down. What 
what are your total assets? You said you have like 200,000. That's not invested anywhere, right? It's just in a, a savings account. Correct. Are there any um, other assets for retirement? Any kind of um, other retirement accounts sitting anywhere, equity in a home, anything like that? Uh, uh, yeah, I've got equity in a home, which is paid for. Um, uh, my truck is paid for. Um, <clears throat> uh, I've got a, a small, simple IRA. It's got about 100000 in it. Okay. Um, and that's pretty much about it. Okay. So there are a couple options and we also have to look at two other things. Your, your risk tolerance. Um, if your money is at a risk of, just so you know, your, your retirement account, I'm assuming it's in mutual funds, correct? Uh, no, I transferred it to uh, uh, Bright Star Annuity here a while back. Ooh, why? Because uh, of the guarantee on it. Yeah, they're guaranteed to get I more of your tired. money than you get. That's about the best guarantee on an annuity. They're a horrible investment. Yep. Well, like I say, I had to do something with it when I transferred it from one company to another and uh, that was the best idea I could come up with at the moment. So that's what I did. Okay. So here, here's what I, I mean, I have some ideas on what to do with the 200,000 and I'll share those with you. But I, I, I think the bigger idea here is um, you've got enough going on that it would make sense for you to pay a financial planner. Just a one time. I don't know what that noise was. Um just a one-time fee to look over your whole picture and make some recommendations. Maybe they can get you out of that annuity. Um, they are outrageously expensive and, and you can't see it. They're so good at hiding their fees and manipulating the numbers. And the only time I recommend annuities is when somebody has maxed out every other option um, for tax-free stuff. You know, you've maxed out your 401k, uh -huh. you've maxed out an individual IRA, you've got a Roth, you, you just, you know, you've got an HSA and you're getting some money tax-free through that and you're still looking for one more tax-free option, then the annuity might make sense, but you've got to be really careful about them. So I'm just, just not a fan of annuities at all. So a, a good financial planner might sure. be able to look at it. Is there a way out of this annuity without taking a big hit? Um, and also look at, you know, where we should be putting um, the 200,000. I have a couple ideas. Uh, uh, um, are you married? Uh, will be, not, not at the moment, but will be soon. Okay. And, and as long as you have somebody, you don't necessarily have to be married, but if there's another individual, whether you're living with them, if about to be married, whatever, um, I, I would put the maximum you could into I-bonds. I-bonds right now are still paying 6.89%. Um, you have all the way up to April 30th of next year to, to get that rate. 
Uh, you can put in $10,000 each, and then you could put in 10000 potentially for the business as well. That, that's where we might need a financial planner. So you might be able to get 30000 into I-bonds paying basically 6.9%. That's a pretty darn good rate right now, about the best we're going to get anywhere. The rest should, you right. should start, my recommendation would be do what we call dollar cost averaging. So you had 200,000, we put 30,000 into I-bonds, got 170 left. Um, I would start, let's see, 170. I would start investing 5,000 a month into uh, probably just the S&P 500 fund. You know, we don't wanna put everything in there all at once. That That's a horrible idea, especially in the environment we're in right now. Uh, I would start putting 5,000 right. a month in and just keep reviewing it. I, I'm not saying we're even going to attempt to get all 170,000 into the S&P 500, but that, that's where I would start. And three months from now, I would review that plan again. Does this still make sense? Six months from now, I would review it again. But that would be my recommendation on the 200,000 as much as you could get into I-bonds and then dollar cost averaging at 5,000 a month into the S&P 500. Okay. All right, well, well that, that, that's certainly an idea because like I say, just sitting there, it's not doing a whole heck of a lot of anything, but you know, the way the, things have been, I just haven't been. Yeah, so the, the other thing we would keep an eye on and why I say, you know, three months from now, we're going to review this because a lot is changing right now. The feds are still increasing the interest rate. They did it again yesterday. They said they're going to do it again, probably their next meeting. That means that CD rates, certificates of deposit at banks are going up. They may be in the three or 4% range right now, which isn't fantastic, but it's better than what you're getting in your savings account. So we might even open, we might even do what we call laddering some CDs. So you might be putting 5,000 a month into the S&P 500. You might be buying $5,000 CDs every time the rate goes up. That might be another strategy. Okay. All right. Well, that's certainly something to watch and see what happens. I know things are changing. And like I say, in this time frame of the game, I don't want to, you know, gamble on XYZ company and throw it all in there and Absolutely. lose it yeah, all at this point. Yeah, so. Don't do that. All of the investments I'm talking about are relatively stable. The S&P 500 being um, the most risky about anything I've just mentioned. The I-bonds are basically risk-free. CDs are basically risk-free. There's no chance you're going to lose money in a CD. Um, you could potentially lose money in the sure. S&P 500. That's why we're not going to dump a whole bunch in at once. We're going to, when, when sure. I say the term dollar cost averaging, all that means is we have a big pile of money. We're not going to put it in all at once. We're going to put it in a little bit at a time over months. Yes. Okay. Well, it's definitely some food for thought, and I appreciate the input. Like I say, I was kind of running out of ideas, so just trying to figure out something to do. Yeah, the, the first thing you could do right away is just, just go get the I-bonds. You can actually do that all online. 
Um, there's a website, Treasury Direct. I think it's actually treasuryauctions.gov. Um, you can read about it. You can just buy them right there online. That's something you could do today. I mean, it, it's not going to hurt to do that, to get, you know, 10 or 20 or 30,000, whatever you can get into some I-bonds right now while the rate's up. Okay. All right. Well, I'll certainly look into that and see what I can put together. Excellent. All right. You can always call me back in a month or two or three or whenever, and we'll review it again and we'll update it like that if you want. Let's go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Uh, another suggestion, if that gentleman's still listening, you know, the uh, the two-year Treasury bonds, it's short-term, and they're, I think they're 4.3 today. Um, that's, uh, you know, it's better than savings account. That, yeah, that's not bad at all, putting some money in at 4.3 right you know, now. You know, I mean, because... You know, because he's all, you know, he's on the way, you know, on the way to slow down. You don't want to tie his money up for 10 years or something like that. I think that's what the I-bond is, right? 10 years? Uh, it can be. Yeah, there, it, it's not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't really. Yeah. yeah. I-bonds can okay. get a little tricky, but, you know, when the rate's up this high, they're usually a pretty good investment. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, just looking at it from, uh, you know, if he's looking to slow down or stop. He, you know, he may need access to that money sooner than, than later, you know, so, or want access to the money. Um, but anyway, um, on that uh, FTX, they're, they're trying to now regulate crypto when this was just a, a fancy fraud scheme. So, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. Um, seems like a lot of the people, a lot of the people uh, like the Gary Gensler, the SEC, um, have a lot of close relations with this kid and his girlfriend. Um, there's a lot of stuff going to go on here. Uh, hopefully, we'll find out some of it, but it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I watched, um, there was a congressional hearing this week, and Kevin O'Leary uh, from Shark Tank actually testified. And basically, you know, these people are really, really sophisticated investors. I mean, my God, the guy's a billionaire. Uh -huh. He's invested in all yep. these companies over the last 10 years in Shark Tank. He's done really well. Um, how they got sucked into this, I just don't get it. He was saying yesterday that he had no clue anything was wrong until one day he went to log into his account and all the data was gone his trades, his history, he, he had access to nothing. No records whatsoever. It was just well, gone. And he I said mean, he, we can look back. Good. Yeah, he said he contacted the administrators and nobody could get in and nobody had any answers. And, and he said in his testimony, he said, I just picked up the phone and called Sam himself. Well, you know, when you got paid $15 million to to push their scam, I'm sure you can call him direct. And basically the story was, and this can get somewhat complicated, but there is a competitor to FTX, another cryptocurrency. Um, FTX was the third largest cryptocurrency in the world. This other company was second, I believe, or sometimes they were flip-flopping back and forth. This other company somehow bought 
um, like 500 and some million dollars worth of a token on FTX. And then they were actually trying to get regulated. That is the weird thing about this whole industry. They're actually asking the government to regulate them. And somehow in the process, this other guy had enough control that he kept blocking any of this regulation from happening. And then Sam Freed's uh, excuse was he had to get that 500 and some million dollars back to in order to free this up. But he ended up paying like $2 billion instead to get it back. And then that bankrupted the company. And uh, basically, Kevin O'Leary was so frustrated. And he said, I, I just kept asking him, Sam, where's the money? And nobody really seems to know where the money went. Right. Well, from what I've followed somewhat with some of these business reports was they they had this going through, I don't know, maybe up to a dozen different companies that were all kind of subsidiaries of FTX. And so they basically took investor money, paid off loan, you know, fabricated loans from this Axios and these other funds, uh, these other hedge funds that were invested in FTX. And it was just basically a Ponzi scheme. I mean, you know, I was watching Charles Payne and they had, um, he had a guy on that said 20 some odd years ago with Enron, people are still waiting for money. Um, And Bernie Madoff did the same thing. And Um, I had a friend, I had a friend whose son-in-law had a couple hundred thousand with a guy similar to Madoff. Then he financed, he refinanced his $700,000 house out in Long Island and put that money in there. He was getting like 15,000 a month in, 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 uh, in payments. You know, that's what he, you know, his investment was, was yielding that. And then all of a sudden the guy just disappeared and he was caught with like 800,000, 900,000 in, uh, in money owed to him and never got any of it. Yeah, un- unbelievable. Um, have you ever yeah. watched the? This was, um, and this was back right right before the Madoff scam happened. This is a different Ponzi scheme, I guess, on a smaller level. Yeah, um, there's a there's a but, good uh, show on CNBC that I, I've been watching for years, um, and there's still new seasons of it called American Greed, and they highlight so many stories like this stuff that never even makes the news. Yeah. Uh, the bankruptcy right, attorney right. who handled Enron and said it was the most complicated bankruptcy he had ever seen. Like nobody to this day can get their head around everything that went on with Enron. He said that he's now, I, I don't know if he's in charge of this investigation or he's a part of it or he's researching it or something. He said Enron will pale in comparison to how complicated this one is. Right, right. I heard the same thing. I heard the same thing, and and it's really it's really a peculiar um, timing issue, where the Justice Department had this kid arrested the day before he was supposed to go testify at, at Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah, um, that's yeah. another issue. That's another issue that really just brings you know brings your tinfoil hat on, you know. So- um, how how is how is the Justice Department that this kid's going to testify and possibly or most likely incriminate himself in a congressional hearing 
not let him go do that and then arrest him. I, yeah. I, so there, there's, um, there's so much going on here that, that is just, it's just not right. Um, when you look at, so here's the other thing that I'm really confused about all of these politicians, almost all Democrats got huge campaign contributions from this guy, huge tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands into the millions total. He was the second largest donor worldwide to the American democratic party. And I keep seeing these articles from these politicians who are claiming they're taking the money and donating it to charity. Why give it back to the, to the investors? Why are they donating it to charity? That's bullshit. All that money needs to go back into the company so that it can be dispersed to all the people who lost that money. Yeah, it's it's a revolving door. They're gonna they're gonna give it to these these uh, you know these C five hundred ones that are just going to re re donate it back to the DNC somehow. That, that you know, is, look that, look at the you know we we heard we heard reports of of the the oligarchs and the Ukrainian government investing in this FTX also with the right. the, the, the billions of dollars that we've been sending over there. Yeah, I, I, I um you know the, just. Yeah, I don't even just understand this, this, this last trade with this with this uh, basketball star, Brittany Griner. We we have a guy. We have a guy that we gave back to Russia. That's going to be dealing with all the arms that we've been sending over to Ukraine and getting hey. them on, you know, and, and giving them back to Russia. Hey, Fred, I mean, this I, is I what's going to happen. I'm glad the girl. I'm, I, I'm I glad the girl's some... out of out of a Russian prison. But I mean, well, come on. Of course, but that that doesn't mean the trade was right. I saw some. Uh, um, a Democratic politicians, um, you know, claiming, get this, that he's not a bad guy. He didn't kill anybody. The weapons did. <laughs> oh, now the weapons did. Right. Okay. Right. Nice. The weapons did it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's not gosh. him. He's not a okay, bad guy. Yeah, yeah. The weapons killed people. He did No, of course not. Well, yeah. that's what happens. That's what happens with all these horrible school shootings and mass shootings. Of course. It's the gun's fault. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, I mean, you I, know, you know, I, I have, I, yeah, I have a handgun in my house that's never hurt anything, and it, all of a sudden, it's just going to jump out of the case and start shooting everybody in the house. Yeah, well, I, I don't I, quite I, understand that. I, I should make the claim that I should have never been canceled for what I said. It's the microphone's fault. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So, I, but I just, we have this. Uh, I don't understand how these politicians are bragging that they're giving this money to charity. First off, are we even able to verify that they truly gave it to charity? I'm not sure that anybody's following up on that. But if they did, that's wrong. That should not go to charity. That should go back to the company. Well, there's another there's another issue here. They're claiming in this indictment that they just handed out in the Southern District of New York that he he and and most of the kids in the company there because it was all FTX money that these kids were donating to the Democratic Party that it all it all violated or mostly violated campaign finance laws so they this shouldn't even they should be re- recuperating that the government should be recuperating that money because it was an illegal donation to begin with so yeah. i don't know why these 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 you know senators and 
and DNC operatives and, and, and all this should be doing anything with that money until, you know, the investigative the investigation's over and, and the government tells them what to do with that money. That's so what I mean. Is, this really, idea uh, that you're donating to, yeah. to charity is just bullshit. That's not how this should work. And I can't believe they're posting it day after day and somebody isn't stepping in and saying, wait a minute, that's not how this should work. Well, I hope they do donate all that money to charity. And then the government says, you know what? This, 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 $20,000 that you got is, I don't care what you, what you think you did with it. We need it back for this. Don't think it hit twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. That would, that would, you know, it, it is a mess. It is a mess. Um, uh, I have, uh, uh, our friends, the cars are going out into, uh, to the, to the, uh, evil New York city there. They, they, inbox, they, uh, say, uh, posted on, tribe uh if they want to get off the diet i can send them to a, a handful of spots they can really mess their diet up but have good food <laughs> oh, there you go <laughs> when they get out there um but anyway uh yeah what those the uh, kevin uh, o'sullivan posted and his directions are on the money uh if they're if they were you know deciding which way to go i gave him a, an alternate route so uh um, if they're listening uh kevin's uh, directions are spot on. So that's, you know, that's good. good. Um, uh, just, just for their, uh, another thing I wanted to touch base on was stress overnight when you're sleeping. I, I've been seeing that in my own and now I have a lot going on. You know, I put myself in a pretty, uh, precarious situation. I'll, I'll get out of it, but you know, it is what it is. So you think it's just, my mind overworking at night or is there something you might recommend for that? So I am getting ready to, you know, I've been working on the stress protocol, the, the physical protocol right. of, you know, heat, cold, resistance, breathing. Um, I haven't formally released it yet. We've talked about it. I did a webinar on it once. I keep thinking I'm not done. There's another piece of this that I'm missing. And, and I, I was thinking along the lines of supplements, the mushroom adaptogens are a big part of it. I actually have an improvement to one of those recipes. Um, but I, I had right. the big breakthrough this past weekend at the conference. I got to sit down with um, uh, one of the guys from Biotics. And, and I've never met him before. He's, he's oh. um, out of their Phoenix office. So I had a chance and him and I just clicked right away. We started talking about ideas and we got on the stress thing and I was explaining my stress protocol. And he's like, boy, that's exactly what I was looking for to add to what I've come up with with supplements for stress. And I'm like, you have supplements for stress that actually work? And he's like, you will be <laughs> amazed at how well this is working. And he put together, okay. I'm looking at a potential of up to five supplements. I know it's kind of a lot, um, but based on his research and his results in the science, these look really powerful. Stuff I would have never thought of. They're, they're not adaptogens like, you know, and the adaptogen mushrooms are working great. This is on top of that. These aren't adaptogens. There's some... Um, some basic nutrients that I had never thought of. And when you see the science and why they're working, um, I'm, I'm, and 
we may have these out soon. I mean, I, we're emailing multiple times a day. We have to start designing the labels. We're actually going to formulate these um, specifically for us, and they'll be our, our first um, supplement that we've created. You know, we, we almost had one, nice. and then Cardio Miracle came along, so we kind of scrapped that idea. But this time, there's nothing else like this. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited about this. So I, I do have something other than just the physical protocol I have some a pretty powerful right. supplement regimen that I think is going to help a lot of people with stress and sleep. Okay. Yeah, because I really haven't done the stress protocol uh, because my numbers have been so weak. I didn't want to just overdo it and then to be exhausted the rest of the day that's, when I had to kind of just function, you know, as well. That's actually so, one of the things I'm know, excited I, about. Because as I've tested this and I've started the protocol and I've gone off the protocol and I've changed it and I've tried different things, one of the dangers that I've found, it is very, very easy to over, we'll call it overtraining. Um, right. It, it is, you, you still really have to balance this out or those things we're doing to strengthen our stress muscle will just exhaust us. And then we have to have enough recovery right. time. And I, I've been struggling with this. It, it's, it's a really, really fine balance. And now what I'm thinking, and I, I'm getting ready to test this supplement package myself, and I'm going to test it with the physical stress protocol, and then I'm going to stop and test it without doing it. I have a feeling this might be what we're looking for, that we might do... 30 days of the supplement regiment first and kind of prepare our body for the physical regiment. But I am, I'm about 99% convinced I, I've got something here that is going to be a big breakthrough on stress and sleep. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's promising. That's uh, very encouraging to hear. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's all good. That's all good. Um, yeah, that's uh, you know I've been you know trying to help some of the tribe members with certain things and um, good fats. I know avocados. I know oils and butter. Um, what else? What else could we look at? So we have um, good olive oil that we know is sourced properly and it's truly olive oil. Um, avocado oil, right. and there doesn't seem to be a big problem with sourcing on avocado oil. Uh, I would still use a good source, but there doesn't seem to be, you know, a, a lot of fake avocado oil on the market. Um, butter, right. ghee, duck fat, chicken schmaltz, pork lard, beef tallow, all of the animal fats. Now, we, we want those animals to be raised properly. We don't want, you know, industrial grade animals that we're getting our fats from. But um, a company like Fatworks, um, awesome. Right. I see. I actually see those in, in Walmart. Yeah. Um, yep. So I'm just trying to get ideas to pass along. And if they're listening, they'll hear it firsthand. Yeah. So it's um, basically, you know, I'm just, it, you know, trying all, to up, their, up the fats in, in their diets, you know, because yeah. I think that's uh, where. Some of them are losing, you know, you, know you, you cook a steak and if it's not the right steak or the right amount of fat, you're not getting enough fats, I think, to, I, yeah, I have, to get your body going. Yeah, I have a, I collect fats. I have no problem recommending fats. So all of the good quality animal fats, my favorite is duck. 
duck fat is man oh man you you fry something in duck fat it is really tasty yes i i fry i i do eggs in duck fat when i'm home yeah yeah so you know i do i do like over easy eggs you know nice and nice and quick you know and and uh in the pan with duck fat yep Um, all all of the animal fats avocado oil olive oil coconut oil Butter, ghee, I guess butter is an animal fat, so is ghee. Um, those are the, the options. And the, at, it, palm oil, palm oil is kind of like coconut oil. The, the concern with palm oil is that it's not as good for our environment because they, they grow okay. the palm, they harvest the palm and kill it to get the palm oil out, where coconut oil, which they're very similar, uh, you don't have to kill the tree. The tree lasts, you know, for years right. or decades, and we just get the fat from the coconut, the fruit of the tree. We don't have to kill the tree, so it's a lot better for the environment. Right. Yeah. Also, the nut butters that you sell, too, are big fat uh, enhancements, too. I just remembered that when I was talking to you. Yeah. But I guess yeah, we don't want to overdo the nuts, right? Exactly. You know, the, the nuts have some issues, but uh, adding some nut butters into the diet is another way to get some of those good fats in. Um, you know, if, if you're going to add nuts and it's the reason, you know, we carry F-bomb nut butters is because they're based in macadamia nuts, though. That's by far the best nut we can eat for fat. Right. It's just the, A1, the A6, uh, the, uh, um, not the A6, uh, uh, omega six, omega six is where we got to watch, right? Yeah, and and with um, macadamia nuts, we get some omega three, some omega six, and some omega nine, which is also one of the fats we get from olive oil. That's good. So, yeah, throwing in some nut oh, butters okay. and nuts, and you know, leaning on the macadamias is your best bet. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I'm just I was I I wanted I was trying to rack my brain to, to give some suggestions and. You know, I came up with, you know, if you're going to maybe make, you know, make a steak, have have a little head of broccoli, douse it in butter, uh, you know, put some Parmesan cheese on it to make, you know, or something to that effect. You know, just trying to up the fats per meal. But, uh, you know, a, a nut butter, half an avocado before meal, if you, you know, or something to that effect. Um, just trying to trying to give, you know, some ideas. You know, one of the other ways to increase the fat content and nutrient density of almost any dish there are very few dishes in my opinion that aren't improved by putting a poached egg on top oh, that's a good idea whether it's a, a burger a um a, you know a bowl of some kind we we tend to do a lot of bowls now and i'll even start my bowls with a little bit of rice you know a little bit of rice on the bottom then you know some some good cuts of meat um, maybe some fermented cabbage we could put on top, but it, take any dish like that or just take a steak or a pork chop or whatever and put a poached egg on top. That improves everything in my opinion. Yeah. 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 No, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I had, uh, I made, uh, bacon cheeseburgers for my wife and son yesterday. They had them on buns. I had them on the plate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, you know, the, you know the, but that would have been good too. Throwing, a, throwing an egg over on top of it, that would have been really good. Absolutely. You, you crack a nice runny poached egg and that yolk gets all over your burger and, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. So, all right, that's good. Or, that's good. Any, you, uh, you know, um, steak, uh, steak and eggs doesn't have to be just for breakfast. No, I know. I said that myself. I said, you know, I'll if I make a big ribeye and I'm just not hungry enough to eat it. Uh, oh, I made the ribeyes. The last two ribeyes I made at home is within in a souvet. They are amazing. Isn't oh, that my incredible? God. Yeah, I. Oh yeah. I mean, it took it. You know, it takes way longer than grilling them or throwing them on. You know, throw them in the broiler or something. But a whole lot less. Uh, it it was quick and easy. I threw them in frozen. Exactly. And uh, the 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 um the the Breville the the white one with the app right it just said it you know thickness and everything and it just beeps when it's done and then you know whenever you want to go get it you go get it so I throw it in there about three o'clock and about five o'clock I'm ready to go you know I just heat up the cast iron skillet throw some butter throw some uh, either good oil or some duck fat in there and just heat it up real good and just sear it both sides for a minute or two. You know, it is and, so. Man, I'll tell you, it, it's almost foolproof. It, it's so easy to cook the perfect steak. You can get it the temperature you want from edge to edge, and then just sear it. Um, and it, the other advantage, like it, it, there are mornings where I can take a frozen steak, throw it in the sous vide, do the show, not, do something after the show, and when I get around to its lunchtime. That steak's just sitting there waiting for me. It'll hold that temperature all day long. Yeah. And then I just take it out and, and yep. sear it. And I, so it, in one way, it's the quickest way to make a steak. As long as you've just got a little prep time, just throw it in the sous vide and you're done. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, but what I was getting at, like to take on the road, I'll, I'll cut up that, the rest of that ribeye or what I, what I cooked. And then I'll throw it in a tup, you know, a Tupperware because that's all I got right now. Uh, limited room. I don't have a fridge or anything. And then I'll, th- I'll fry a couple of eggs and throw them on top of it. And then I'll just nuke it for 30 seconds to get the, uh, the chill off of it. And it's a perfect meal. Yeah. Yep. There you go. So, yeah. But, uh, all right. I appreciate the, uh, the, uh, the info on the supplements and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing it. You know, if you need anyone else to uh, try it out, let me know. Excellent. <laughs> we'll do. Yeah, we're uh, and we may do some of that. We we may do um, some kind of beta testing of this kit because it's so new. Um, oh, and, and by the way, we are out of calls. So I'm either going to wrap this up. I've got a couple things I can talk about here for a minute or two. Um, I'll wait for a couple more calls. We do have Rolling Toe coming up at 10, so I could take uh, roughly about 30 minutes more on calls if you've got them. It's a free-for-all, ask me anything, 855-950-3835. So I, I am um, very optimistic about the stress protocol. I, I, I absolutely know the physical stress protocol works. But I have found where it, it's kind of a balancing act. You, you can overtrain on it. And it's, you know, if you've got the watch to, to measure it, that helps a lot. But I there's still some struggles there. And that's why I've been kind of holding off publishing this one. But I am very, very encouraged about these supplements that we're formulating. And I'm very encouraged with my new contact at Biotics. I think... Uh, 
Daniel and I are going to become best buds. The guy's just um, just amazing uh, when it comes to the, the the pathways and the mechanisms and how all these nutrients work. And he's willing to brainstorm with me. Um, and it was uh, it was pretty exciting. Like I said, I, I spent about an hour and a half with him at the show, and that's all either one of us could really afford at the time. He was there manning their booth, and I had a lot I wanted to see. But um, we've already been emailing back and forth. We're going to get on another uh, call later today, I think. So I am very optimistic about this. Let's go to Missouri. Dale, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, that new stress protocol you're talking about, if uh like that last guy said, I'd be interested in checking that out. I remember I told you I was on, uh, tried to recently bought a bunch of that cardio miracle. Yeah. And, uh, I could get my blood pressure down. The only way to get my blood pressure down to normal was doing the Wim Hof breathing. Right. And I was wondering what you thought about that. You thought, well, that, that's good because that points us in the direction of, uh, stress. Absolutely. This uh, isn't, um, you know, if the breathing works, that's really a good sign. We don't have some weird underlying cause of the high blood pressure. We don't have to go looking for some, you know, weird nutrient we might be missing. This is a, a stress issue. And that's a good, you know, two years ago, I would have said, oh, man, it's stress. I don't know what to do. Um, we'll have you meditate and see if that works. And, and now I'm confident. Now when I hear it's a stress issue, I'm excited. I know how to fix this now. Yeah, you know, meditation, I've tried it before and it doesn't work for me because uh, I grew up in a family uh, as the youngest of 11. And this is just my own explanation. You can tell me I'm totally, I mean, freaking wrong as wrong gets. But growing up in that environment with 32 nieces and nephews and older brothers and sisters, and everybody's a damn prankster. Um, I don't feel too comfortable sitting in a room and closing my eyes because usually that gets you hit in the head with a Tonka truck or, you know, that's just my life experience. And I realized that was 30 years ago, but no, that, <laughs> you know. uh, I won't tell you you're wrong that that would make, look, here's the thing about meditation. It works. It is extremely powerful. There's no doubt about it. You know, we there are people very nope. well documented that have meditated so long they can control their heart rate. They can control their skin temperature. Um, it works. It's extremely difficult and time-consuming and frustrating to get that good. It takes years and years of practice and working at it. So I, I'll never claim that it doesn't work. It's just too difficult for most of us and we don't have the patience and the time and we we found these hacks oh. that, that put us in the same physiological state as meditation and and Wim Hof breathing is one of well, them. Well I think that's that way with virtually any complicated technique well, like the Wim Hof breathing that doesn't get much simpler than that I mean I mean really right but uh as far as meditation goes, it's not like uh, like Jimi Hendrix did not pick up a guitar and play the Star Spangled <laughs> Banner on it. I promise you, yeah, exactly. that took a while. So you know, we've learned but, that, um, hey. that that the meditative state is what we need to achieve. We're just finding better ways to achieve it than just pure meditation. the The breathing can do it. Um, 
the the device that I'm testing right now, and I've been testing these devices for over a decade, and they're getting better. And this one, I think, is is maybe the first one of these devices that I actually recommend, and we may even put it in our store. I, I still have some testing to do, but the results that I'm getting short term are almost too good to be true. If nothing else, I know the name the, of it, but else the length of my sleep um, is pretty surprising. So I, I think that this particular device has a lot of promise. Right now, that would be if you're just gonna go this way. That would be the BT. I know you said you didn't want to name it. So oh I yeah, I I, I wasn't guy. going to name it, and then Doctor Wolfson came on and named it. So I, uh, I right. I, I tried not to make. T- I, I'm sure most people probably missed it, or uh, so. Look, if people right. want to go look it up and buy it, knock yourself out. I'm not making any promises yet. I, I would prefer if people wait till I can do some more testing, really see what this thing's all about, and then put it in our store so we get the profit. You're going to buy it anyway. Um, Just be a little patient, buy it from us. That helps us. Our price will always be competitive. No doubt we were there are most of the time now we're beating Amazon on pricing. Um, One thing I got to say about, you know, uh, I've been calling you pretty frequently lately, mostly about, about 75% of why I've been calling you is about my wife's uh, menopause. So I've been, I bought uh, one round of uh, the uh, mushroom coffees and that, and then I bought uh, uh, another package of a couple different types and that shipped. And uh, so it was almost three weeks into the mushroom coffee, and now we're doing the cacao and all the other stuff. You know, the, the start in the, that she has a coffee, and then there's a day start. Yes. Uh oh, Dale, did we lose you? Hmm. Dale, I can. Oh, there you are. Yeah, I I could hear you the whole time. But um, she's now down to one to three hot flashes a day. Normally one, Excellent. instead of having them just like over and over and over. Yeah, so she's got her discovery call coming up on the twentieth. And I told her I've not taken one, but I've heard people call in after taking one. So my advice to her and anybody else that's listening that's got an upcoming one, my advice to you, based on what I've learned by opening my ears and shutting my mouth, would be open your ears, shut your beak. <laughs> There's a thing I used to use when I was facilitating driving school and training seminars. We called it a parking lot. You got a question. Write it down on a piece of paper. That's your parking lot. If there's time at the end, then start asking questions. But if you do that, if you don't trust the process, you're not going to get the information that you're trying to get from the from the professional. Really good point. So uh, I'll add to that. When you're doing a discovery call or a one-on-one, all the things you want us to know, submit that ahead of time. Don't wait for the discovery call or the one-on-one to do it. Submit everything you can think of ahead of time. We give you the options. We give you forms. We ask you questions. We ask you about your diet. We ask you about the drugs you're taking, the supplements you're taking. Submit all of that up front. And then when you get to the discovery call, 
you're right. Listen, um, Lauren does an awesome job of spending as much time as she needs to before that 10 minute call. And if you submit all that to her ahead of time, she'll go through it and she'll have a plan ready. If you wait till that 10 minute call, you're going to burn through that 10 minutes in no time. Well, yeah, she can formulate a better plan if she has all the information, you know. Absolutely, yep. Uh, but but uh, I was wondering, too, I guess I might try this, uh, see what you think about this new device or these new supplement rounds, but based on, I know it seems to be that stress is driving my, my blood pressure. Even, you know, I've given up the coffee and all that stuff. And I did take your advice. I started the second day. I started getting a low-grade headache in the morning like every other breath. It's like you had your finger and your thumb on the, the pain volume, and every other breath you just turned it up a notch, <laughs> yep. a notch, a notch. So I took, uh, put about two, two, three fingers deep of coffee in a standard cup, and I took a few sips, and I set it on the counter, and then after about, I don't know, a minute or two every other breath, it started going down and it went away. So so every morning I've been taking two sips of coffee and just calling it good. And that's probably not enough to hurt anything anyway. It's so. not. that. That's a, a nice way to ease off of it because the, the caffeine headaches, the caffeine withdrawal headaches, it's a very unique headache. I can recognize it immediately. Um, the first time it happened to me, this was a long, long time ago, um, I was, it was at one of those times where I was working in an office and we had a coffee pot going all day and I would just drink out of it all day long, not even thinking about it. And then I decided to quit and switch to green tea, which has a little bit of caffeine in it, but not enough. The The headaches were just horrendous. And this was back when, you know, I'd take Tylenol, it would do almost nothing. I'd try Advil, that wouldn't do much. Somebody said, oh, I know what works for this. Take Excedrin. And I did. Headache immediately went away. You know why? It's caffeine in it. It's got caffeine, it's got caffeine in, in it. it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, not that I would hey. take any of that stuff now, but the, the Excedrin helped, but it was only because they had caffeine in it. Right. And uh, something I did want to say about technology-wise with your show, and then I had a Something else I wanted to add that's totally unrelated to that, but um, I've been noticing about two or three times a week. I, I use, I'm an iPhone user, and uh, I'll fire up the app about you know I'm Midwest time, so about nine fifty five, nine fifty seven, or eight, or whatever, and I can hear the show. The you know it's it shows the date of the show, but it's you know you're just going. It's just something to listen to till the show starts. I think right. And then all of a sudden the guitar music cues in and because uh, that, that, that fades out and it's gone. And then the guitar music kicks in. It goes through the whole intro and then nothing. Yeah, so, And then I'll call let, in and tell, tell them that. Yeah, let me explain what happens. That every time that has happened so far, that is operator error on my part. I, it, there's some button over here that I forgot to press. Um, and part of it is because I'm scatterbrained. Um, the other part is I'm still testing new things. So every day it's kind of a different routine and I should get better at 
when I make a change in the routine changes, I should just create a little checklist for when I go on the air, press this button and that button and make sure this is turned on and this is turned off. And so every time that's happened that you hear the music, but then you don't hear me, it's been operator error every time. Oh, okay. Oh, so you okay? You already got it figured, then. Then um, back when I was when you was uh, on Sirius, um, I called and I talked to you. I've I've turned many many people onto this show, you know, just because the information is so so terrific. But uh, well, thank there's you. a guy I work with. He works in another facility. Oh, you're welcome. He's he's pretty big guy. He's damn near seven foot tall, but he's also a very hefty guy. And I was telling him about the keto and how it worked. And I said, you know, my my wife and I did that in sixty days. I went, I literally went from at five five eleven. I went from two forty to one hundred ninety six pounds in sixty wow. days. That's I go, awesome. this works. It's not smoke and mirrors. It's it's not bullshit. Right. You're not buying anything. It doesn't cost you nothing. I mean, it, it just works. And yeah. I go in my uh, arthritis doesn't bug me now. I mean, there's and he goes, well, my boy's got arthritis. He got to tell me about his boy. His boy, and this is how sad this shit is. His son, back when he was on Sirius XM, was getting into his thirties. He's a carpenter by trade, and I guess he's a very, very, very sought after high end carpenter. He does extremely. He does all custom work. Okay. And uh, anyways, but his arthritis is so bad that he can only work at, I mean, a year and a half ago, he can only work three to four days a week oh. because his arthritis is so bad. That's and awful. I told, I told his dad, I said, here, have him, have him call and listen to the show on Wednesdays and uh, won't cost him a damn thing. He goes, well, I don't know. And, and he always didn't want to do the keto thing because he, well, I like my bread and I like my pasta, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. He's that guy. Anyhow, so he wouldn't tell his boy, and I hounded him and hounded him and hounded him. And Kevin, I've known this guy for like six years, worked with him. I mean, face-to-face, one-on-one, even though yeah. we're drivers. We was both in the safety department. We we did projects together. I mean, I know you get that, so we, we're pretty close. He's been to my house. And he lives in St. Louis, and I live in southwest Missouri. Yeah. Um, that close. And for some reason, he wouldn't tell his boy about it. I called you and asked you about it. You go, well, sometimes people, uh, how do you word that? Don't want to give give advice because then they have to take responsibility for how they're living their life. Right. That's what you said. So I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he's telling me his boy is now got to the point where his inflammation is all through his body. It's in his organs. He's on disability. The only thing he enjoys doing, the, the, his favorite things to do in the world is camping and hunting and fishing. And he literally told his dad that he's going, he knows he's not going to live very long. So he, he bought a piece of property out in the woods several years back. So he's literally camping out there and fishing and hunting. And he's going to do that until he dies. That's and so I told sad. him, I go, I go, why don't you tell your boy to call this? And I text him the phone. I just forwarded the, I got Kevin Rutherford show on my phone. I just forwarded the contact to him. I go, tell your son to call this damn number. And he goes, well, Dale, we've been through this. And I go, hey, you know what? And I'm not going to say his name in case he's listening. And if he's listening, I'm already know he's about ready to punch a hole through his windshield fist. And I hope <laughs> he is. But I said, but I, I said, you know, I cannot be a decent friend. I go, hell, I wouldn't even be a piss poor enemy 
your son is dying. Yes. It's a damn phone call. All he has to do is make the phone call. And I go, and all he has to do is, they don't have to give him his last name, just first name, where he lives. And hell, lie about your name. Who gives a shit? The guy's going to listen to you. He's, he's going to help you. And then he's going to say, do a discovery call. And then you're going to email him a whole bunch of shit. And he's going to fill it out. Then he's going to email it back. And then he's going to schedule a uh, call with you. And then you're going to get on the call, and they're going to tell you all these things that you should do and build you a protocol. Meanwhile, the things that Kevin is going to tell him to do is going to significantly improve the situation. And then he's going to do that. And at this point, he ain't spent a goddamn nickel. He's just, it's a phone call. Right. It's nothing. Free, 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 free. Yeah. And uh, I asked him, I waited all week last week, didn't hear that phone call. I talked to him last night. Oh, no, I didn't tell him. You know what the... And I'm just like, what in the hell is wrong with people? This is a sad story. You know the saddest part that, that's different from most calls? We know that the placebo the gonna effect die. works. The placebo effect is really powerful. We don't understand how or why it works, but it works. I, I believe in the placebo effect. But it works both ways. Our mind is extremely powerful, and when somebody gives up and actually says, I'm just going to do this till I die because I'm dying, his brain will believe that. He will die even sooner because he's given up. Yeah, I didn't think of that aspect, but I was just thinking about the fact that if my son was dying, I don't care. If somebody that I that I knew for five years said, hey, I know this guy that says if you bite a rabbit's foot off a live rabbit and jam it in your ear really hard five times. Yeah, I'd be I'd be calling my son saying, say, we're, we're going to go get a, a freaking rabbit. We're, you know? we're going bunny hunting. But geez, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand it. It's just I just almost want to choke him. Yeah, I know. It, it I is frustrating. I I, hey, I, hey, Dale, I, I just it. looked at the clock and the calls. I got to get through these. I keep forgetting on Thursdays. I can't just lollygag around. Uh, I actually have a hard break or a hard stop. Let's go to Ohio. James, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Doing good. What can I help you with today? Uh, just a, a note as a sailor, uh, you, I know with your foil and you and Joel and John have been talking about the foil technology with the ferries and everything. Watch some of the America's Cup races nowadays. Uh, they're all up on foils, and it's, it's pretty amazing. I'll bet. I'll bet. It, and it the makes technology, sense. I mean, because they're always cutting edge, right? Of course, yeah. I, I should have thought of that. That that makes sense. Where where else does you know reducing drag that much really really count? Well, how about the most prestigious boat race in the world? That might be a place. Yeah, it, it's it's uh it's insane. I mean, I I'm more comfortable doing about six knots by myself, but uh, these guys are just humming along at twenty. So isn't it wild when you see how small these foils are that the whole boat actually rises out of the water and rides on these foils? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not big at all. No, they're not. I, here's it's crazy. What I, and, and obviously it's the World Cup, so they, they don't really work on, you know, small budgets. But um, in order to make the very best foils, the original foils were aluminum. Um, but the very best foils now are carbon fiber. They are outrageously expensive. I can't imagine what it costs to put one on a boat that size. 
Well, I mean, I think they're they they're. If, if I'm not mistaken, nowadays the sails are carbon fiber too. Yeah, I, uh, it's I, not really a sail like you and I think of. Anymore. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Interesting stuff. But um, uh, I'm going to look up some videos of that. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Um, to my my main reason for calling is I started keto on Sunday, and I'm on what day five now. And I woke up this morning at three thirty with a cramp in my foot. Welcome. Pretty, pretty severe. Welcome to the keto club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And and I'm okay with it, but you know, it's we still there. It. It's still cramped. It, well, I tried a pickle. It, that, it didn't really help. That that's, and, and I know that you have a light balance that will help, but it doesn't help me today. Um, put lots of salt, good sea salt on everything. Um, put sea salt in your coffee, okay. put sea salt in your water, put it all over your food. I mean, that's our, our quickest fix. You could stop at okay. any place, any, you know, pharmacy or Walmart or wherever. They're going to have some sort of electrolyte drink. Stay away from anything that's got a bunch of sugar, artificial sweeteners, Um but there are tons of like electrolyte replacement products on the market. Most of them should work. Um, we really like Light Balance. It's it's clean. It has nothing in it except the the three salts we're looking for. It's the right balance. Um, but but again, there are other products on the market. Even you know just upping your sea salt consumption will help some. Um, and in extreme cases, sometimes light balance doesn't do it. And we go to Actimag, which is our kind of our next product up. But it, the good news is we, we can fix this. If you have to stop anywhere and, and get some sort of electrolyte replacement, go ahead and do it. Okay. And, the, and I guess the second follow-up question to that is the until an order of light balance gets to me, Will this just go away for a day and then come back and go away and come back? Or it, it, what should I expect? It could, because this is totally based on your mineral balance, the balance in your body between salt, potassium, and magnesium. So, and that can fluctuate. Tomorrow, you might not have enough of one of those and the cramps will come back. And then you might be you know, downing um, sea salt and, you know, if you can get avocados, eat eat a bunch of avocados right now, that'll help with the p potassium and magnesium. Um, so some days you might have good balance and the cramps will go away and then you won't have good balance and the cramps will come back. I mean, th this isn't voodoo. It's not, you know, rocket science, pretty straightforward. Okay, perfect. Yeah, my ex-girlfriend did the voodoo thing. I, I got it. Awesome. Well, thank you for the help, man. And uh, it's America's Cup, World Cup of Soccer. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for that. You're right. Uh, America's Cup. Yeah, not the World Cup. I got World Cup on the brain. Um, let's go to Ohio. Brian, welcome to the program. Oop, let me hit the right button. There we go. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, thank you, Kevin. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Hey, I wanted to say thank you, sir. Four and a half years ago, I started listening to you and You've helped me change my life. I weighed 250 pounds then. Now I'm sitting at 170. Wow. I've been down to 160. Congratulations. I even wore size 40 pants, no belts or anything. Uh, now, heck, I wear suspenders, sir. 
<laughs> there you go. Not because my belly's hanging over, just because the pants don't fit no more. <laughs> That's right. If if I would have been, if I, I would have been a true entrepreneur before I ever started talking about this, I would have started a uh, a clothing line and belts, and I I could have made a fortune. You sure could have. It, it, it is downright amazing way you feel everything. I even have muscles. I mean, I've never had muscles before. Awesome. I'm literally working on a six pack. It's very nice. There you go. More like a two pack, but it's growing. That's that's how we do it. One step at a time. I bought the X3 bar. I've been doing that for about two years now. I bought it before it was in your store. Oh, cool. You mentioned it. I got it. I uh, was on it four times a week, almost steady, but then you start slacking off. Now it's about three. Yeah, yeah. What a what a uh, what a change, though, isn't that just awesome? Oh, there's one more thing too. I gotta say this now. Since June, I slowed down on eating all the vegetables. You know. Okay. I started doing the fermentation vegetables. I don't have allergies no more, sir. Zero allergies. Excellent. Excellent. I never get tired of these stories, by the way. I, I love this. These kind of stories make my day. I, now, before that, I have to tell you, I was taking tons of, like, allergy medications. Sometimes, man, your eyes would just get so dry, and it, it was horrible. Yep. It was almost two to three a day sometimes. I'll bet. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was like, man, I haven't taken them. I haven't bought any in a while. I, was like, I haven't taken them in a while. And then it dawned on me, I don't have them no more. <laughs> I, that's that, it, fantastic. You know, losing weight is clearly I, important. That That's the start of all of this. But I, I love hearing from people that, you know, they were using all these over-the-counter medications. They had joint pain. They had allergies. They had skin problems headaches, migraines, whatever it might be. And all that stuff just starts to disappear. And the good news is the improvements keep coming. You know, we were told that as you get older, you're going to deteriorate. It, that doesn't have to be true. It, when you start this later in life, your 40s or 50s, you get the opposite. You get to keep improving every year. I totally agree. I'm 46 and back. I'm seeing more muscles on me than when I was 18. Awesome. Congratulations. I wanted to say thank you and Merry Christmas. You're welcome. Keep up what you're doing. Merry Christmas to you. I appreciate it. And I love the stories. Keep them coming. Let's go to California. Ryan, you've got the final word today. What's on your mind? Morning, Kevin. Um, I'd, I guess I'd like to start out by saying I I uh, started eating. I've kind of I've kind of done it for about six months, but I got really serious about it. Um, the first of October, and I went from weighing three thirty to today I'm two eighty five. Wow. Awesome. Um, my blood my blood pressure. Uh, improved greatly. I, I was at like over 200 and like 130, 140 sometimes. Wow. And I got my, I got my two year card last week and my blood pressure was 
130 over 82. Incredible. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy about that. It makes me feel good. And, you know, I, uh, but I, I called you about, I, I bought the watch. I bought the Garmin watch and, um, my, my question for you is, do you have any recommendations to try and get my body battery up? I can't seem to build it. I think the highest it's been for, well, I bought the watch about three weeks ago and the, and the highest I've been able to build it overnight or however that works is to 45. Yep. So I'm wondering, you know, I know stress, the stress protocol works on your stress and whatnot, but what, what can I do to help improve my body battery building up? So the, the answer was actually in the question. Um, it is the stress protocol that is stopping it. It's stress that stops your body from recovering. So when we can't build our body battery, that's an indication that our stress muscle is weak. Now, and this is where sometimes we can get so depleted that even doing the stress protocol becomes difficult because it kind of wipes us out for the day and then we have a hard time recovering. So I, I've been struggling with that. It works. It absolutely works. But sometimes it can really take time because some people are so depleted, they can only do the stress protocol once or twice a week. And sometimes even that is depleting them too much. So now we have two parts to the, the stress protocol. I could actually break it down into three. I just don't want it to sound too complicated. So we have the physical stress protocol itself, the breathing, the cold exposure, the resistance training, the infrared sauna. That works. Now we have the adaptogens, which is in the, the mushroom coffee and the mushroom products from Four Sigmatic. Those are very powerful. Rishi being our best option. And now we have a supplement answer. And all of them could work separately. They work even better together. So I'm, I'm hoping we, we can get the supplements actually on the market hopefully by the end of January. I mean, there's still a lot of work. We've got to finish up the formulations. We've got to do labels. We've got to get manufacturing process going. Uh, but that that's what I'm spending almost all of my time on right now. I kind of had to put my hot honey project on hold for a little while because I really want to get this stress protocol out. I, I could guarantee if somebody does all three parts of the stress protocol, you're going to be blown away by how fast things improve. Okay. All right. So by all means, all right. start, start doing you. the physical stress protocol. You've got the watch to guide okay. you. So if you do the stress protocol and you find out you're actually going backwards, which can happen, uh, you got to ease up a little bit, maybe only do two parts of the protocol a, a day and and then kind of ease into it and, and use the watch and the body battery to guide you. Okay. Uh, you can get okay. um, um, the, the, the Rishi cacao that's in our store. That's the, it's like a hot chocolate mix. Uh, it's, it's raw cacao with Rishi mushroom and a couple other adaptogens. 
Um, it's an awesome drink to have sometime between dinner and when you go to bed. Helps you wind down. It, it's okay. not something that you take and it makes you drowsy and you go to sleep. Um, if you start drinking this in the evening, it's going to start balancing your nervous system so you can wind down a little better. That will allow you to relax and go to sleep. And when we have good, relaxed sleep and our, our nervous system is balanced, then your body battery will replenish overnight. Yeah. Yeah, my, my sleep's... My sleep seems to be decent. I, I you know, I, well, it's four it, in the sixties, but it, it's not. Um, if it was, your body right, battery right. would recover. I, I, yeah, I get you. I get you. But it, it does say that I sleep over eight hours a day, and so I guess I thought that was a relatively good thing. It, it it's um, better than only sleeping four hours a day, but just sleeping a long time doesn't always help us. Right, right. There's more to it. Right. Part okay, of the reason um, some people I, some people end up sleeping those eight, nine, ten hours, especially on the weekends, because their body's so exhausted. Yeah, I I seem to have a problem with sleeping. Like I I, I really I wake I, I I can go to bed at ten o'clock at night, wake up at three in the morning, and I'm. I, I have a hard time going back to bed. I just can't sleep like I used to when I was a younger man. You know, I just, I just, um, I, I don't know what it is. I just. Some of that is by design. My mind design. starts going and I, I got to get up and yeah. Some yeah. of it is by design. We do have different sleep cycles at different points in our life. Um, and, and I'm starting to believe that a healthy human being, um, completely healthy. We talk about nutrition and adaptogens and balancing our nervous system. And I, I am starting to believe that a healthy human being most nights probably only needs six to six and a half hours of sleep. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Good. There have been times where I'm able to add 75 points to my body battery in six hours of sleep. There are other nights where I, I get eight and a half wow. or nine hours, which is unusual for me, and my body battery only goes up 30 points. Right. That's kind of what I'm looking at, too, I guess. But Yep. So they, okay. uh, there are a couple um, reasons for this. One, I don't think we understand sleep enough. I don't think these sleep trackers are accurate enough to really tell us, you know, what quality of sleep we have. That's why I, I really... I like the body battery and the instant stress. I think it helps us see that just sleeping a long time isn't enough. I, we've got to figure out right. why we can sleep that long and still not recover. Sure. That's right. Okay. Do you have time for one more quick question? Sure. Okay. So I don't know, for the last maybe nine months or so, I've, 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 I think I've had some, uh, some signs of diabetic neuropathy in my, like my feet. I'll sometimes get tingling, okay. sharp pains in my feet. Uh, not very often, but, um, they, you know, and, and I, I, the moment or not really the moment, but not long after I totally eliminated eating grains, I, I feel like it, it dropped off tremendously. I don't know if that's, is that a blood sugar thing There's or, two um, there are two reasons we could get that. It can be related to blood sugar that usually takes more time. Like if if somebody has true right. 
um, neuropathy in their feet. They've been diabetic for quite some years. They may not have known it, but they have been. Neuropathy takes a while. Right. So it, it could be neuropathy. It could also be um, if they're short term and you kind of get them once in a while, it could be a, just a, a circulation issue. Could just be poor circulation to your feet. Okay. Um, if you're not taking Cardio okay. Miracle, I would try that. Okay. Are there different variations of diabetic neuropathy? Um, yes. The reason I ask is uh, just recently, sometimes I will I will bump my finger against something or I'll shuffle my feet and my Achilles tendon will hit the little bar that you have on your seat. And it's super painful, like just for a few seconds, but it literally feels like I just sliced my finger open with a butcher knife or something. Um, yeah, and then that, when I feel it, when I touch it, it's kind of numb that, and, and it yeah, stays that I, way for a little bit, but that that's more of an indication of true neuropathy than poor blood flow. So the, the diet is going to be critically important for you. Staying very, very low carb um, is going to help to start to clear this. Right. Up. Yeah. Cause I haven't noticed my blood sugar is still at, at 280 sometimes oh, 300 yeah. even yeah, after you, you, you a month and a half of, of eating, right? You know? Yeah. No, th this is clearly okay. a case of neuropathy then. So the, the whole key here for you is to stay low carb the rest of your life. Right. And that, that's kind of what I plan on doing, but yeah, it just it, seems like I've been at it for a month and a half or more and I haven't really noticed any drop in my blood sugar counts, you know, and I, so then, I guess it takes a while for your body to adjust well, after you start eating, there, right? There's a couple possibilities here. One, are could you tell me accurately how many carbs a day you're eating? Um, no, I couldn't. But all I, the only kind of carb that I ever intake is is a vegetable like a Brussels sprouts or um. Are, are you eating dairy? Asparagus would be pretty much it. I eat cheese. I don't drink milk. Okay, um, I eat some. So uh, if if you are truly cheese. you are truly that low carb for that long, month and a half, and your blood sugar really isn't coming down, you are very insulin resistant. So we need to okay. kind of double down on a couple things. You you may want to do a discovery call. Um, we should probably have you on some berberine. We should probably have you on glucobalance. Uh, and you need to work on stress. Uh, the other thing I would highly okay, recommend, yeah. and we have uh, Kara coming back soon from NutriSense, you should get a continuous glucose monitor and start wearing it. Yeah, I have a monitor. I, I do it every day. I, I no, know it's no, a lot no, easier no, to that, have the continuous that, that, one. The finger sticks, uh, they're okay. I'm glad people do finger sticks. It's nothing compared to a continuous glucose monitor. We can learn so much more. I understand. I understand that. I just don't. I don't have insurance, so I, um, I everything I pay for, I have to pay out of pocket. So the, yeah, and, until I can get to that point, um, you know. Then yeah. I'll so you then good. if you can't get the CGM, then stay very, very low carb as carnivore as possible and start working on the stress protocol. And I would do the one on one so we can at least get you started on something like maybe berberine and glucobalance. Okay. That sounds good. 
All right. Thanks for the call. We're going to wrap this up. We will be right back with Rolling Toe. Um, Don't go away. Uh, It'll take us about five minutes to get this set up, and then they will be back live. Also, start lining up your calls. They're coming on to answer all of your questions about tires, alignment, tire wear, handling, wheel bearing issues, all of that. So call them up. It is a talk show. They need callers. So line them up. We will be right back. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.